Hey guys, welcome back to Handling It. I'm your host, Catherine, and as you know, I thought I had my life all figured out, and then I realized I actually didn't, but I'm handling it. And one of the best ways I've learned how to do that is to talk with others about how they're handling their own lives. Well, everybody, I am so thrilled for you to hear this week's episode. Today's guest is Emmy award-winning journalist, Paula Ferris who is joining us today to discuss the special release of her new paperback book, Called Out, Why I Traded Two Dream Jobs for a Life of True Calling. Many of you may know Paula for her work at ABC News, where she was co-anchor of Good Morning America Weekend Edition, co-host of The View, and host of the podcast Journeys of Fate. After years of building up her career in journalism and being at the height of her career in general, In 2018, Paula walked away from her job at ABC News and shortly after made the move out of New York and into South Carolina before the pandemic began. In Called Out, Paula breaks down what led her to this decision and what she learned about herself in the process. She shares how she came to understand that her true calling in life wasn't just her profession, and she encourages readers to make that same realization. I was able to take away so much from Called Out and learning about Paula's journey, and we talk about that in today's episode. Because in this episode, I actually get to share some exciting news of my own. That not only am I going to be pursuing my master's degree this fall, but I'm also moving to England to do it. A big and exciting decision that I'm happy I was able to chat about with Paula, and one that I'll definitely be talking about more of on the podcast. So with that said, I can't wait for you to hear this episode and learn more about Paula's wonderful story. So you know what to do, turn up the volume, get comfortable, and I hope you enjoy. Paula Ferris, I am so excited to have you on um, as someone who actually studied journalism myself and, you know, worked in media. I'm just, I'm excited to chat with you and especially about this new book. So thanks for taking the time to chat. Oh gosh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time. Of course. So I'm curious, you know, we were just chatting about, you just moved. You did a big move um, the past year and a half. It's been crazy for everybody. Um, but you moved out of New York. Uh, for those who don't know, also, I mean, you've your resume is wonderful. You were co-anchor of GMA uh, on the weekend and co-host of The View. You've you know had such a wonderful career in journalism. But you did leave the city in uh, March, I believe, of 2020, and you moved down to South Carolina. So, how has that whole experience been? It's been a 180. Uh, a complete 180. So, um, you know, moving from Manhattan, from New York City to a really small town in South Carolina, it's been a jarring change, but I think a welcome change, one, one a change that we didn't know we needed. Okay. But, and it's not necessarily one that we wanted, but it's definitely one that we needed. And so it's a, it's a slower pace. The people are lovely down here. But we live in a town of less than 3,000 people. So you can imagine the just the juxtaposition of moving from a massive city like New York City to a really small town in the South. And what has the reason we ended up down here is my sister moved, moved down here about eight years ago. And so we had fallen in love with the area when we visited. And my husband, being in real estate, bought an investment property. And so when the pandemic hit, we said, let's go down to South Carolina for a couple of weeks. And 
packed a couple changes of clothes, didn't know that we were going to be staying here in, you know, permanently, um, thought we'd be here a couple of weeks. And then we got down here and just really felt at peace that we were supposed to stay. And sometimes that's it. You just like, you have this gut feeling that you're supposed to do something and, you know, you write down the pros and the cons and, you know, you're like, well, the pros are, I have a piece about it, but the cons are this, 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 and this, and you can talk yourself out of it. But we just, we're big believers. And if we have a piece in our spirit and our gut, we go for it, even if it doesn't always make sense. And so here we are. Yeah, I think, I mean, I've been such a firm believer of that, especially after the year that was 2020. If you have some like inkling of a passion or a decision or whatever it is you want to do, just go for it. Right, right. Because it surprises you most of the time. Yeah, it really does. I think, um, you know, fear can can sit on our shoulder and tell us everything that's going to go wrong. Um, but I think there's just something to be said for stepping out in faith. Look, I, I, I think if you have a piece about something, then you proceed. If you don't, then pause. But it's you have to get used to reconciling those those emotions of peace and fear uh, and reconciling them at the same time. They're not mutually exclusive. And so often you feel fear and you're like, oh, my fear is my intuition. It's my gut telling me not to do it. But I don't think so. It's you have to you have to be able to to recognize what fear looks like and what peace looks like. And we had a peace. We were supposed to stay down here, but we were so scared. And those two things will can and do coexist. They are not mutually exclusive. Um, just getting used to that, that the fact that fear will be present in decisions, big and small. Um, and it's fear is not your intuition. Fear is not your gut. Fear is what's trying to paralyze you from taking your next steps. Fear is what's trying to deter you from you know, you're the destiny of your next chapter. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I love that you're like already hinting into some of the themes you talk about in your book. Um, let's, let's talk about it. Um, you know, you had the recent paperback release of your book called out why I traded two dream jobs for a life of true calling. And I loved this book and I'm not just yeah. saying it cause you're right in front of me. <laughs> I genuinely you. loved it. Um, I think it related to a lot of what I have going on in my personal life and big decisions I'm making and uh, new adventures I'm embarking on. Um, and you know, I think a lot of the book you talk about sort of our individual purposes in life, our callings, and specifically you get into this discussion of vocational calling and then a faith-based calling. So I'm a woman of faith. I enjoyed really reading about all of it. Um, if you would, for those who don't know, um, sort of, would you separate mind separating the two sure. and then explain sort of, I guess, your experience separating the two? Absolutely. So I think, um, we, there's this, there's this just expectation from society that, you know, what's your name and what do you do for a living? And that's where our worth is. And that's where our value is. And that's where calling is. And then in the faith circles, you know, you're supposed to find your calling and find the one thing you were created to do. And it's, it's often synonymous with career. And it's often synonymous with, with doing with this, with this one particular lane. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer through a lot of heartache and heartbreak and failure and flaws along the way that we don't have to do one thing for the rest of our life. And we are not called to do just one thing for the rest of our life. Um, I, I want people to focus on who they were created to be, not just what they were created to do. So I think um, when I decided to pump the brakes at the height of my career in 2018, and that's when I was co-hosting The View and co-anchoring Good Morning America Weekends, 
I pumped the brakes and I just, I knew I had to, I was burnout. Um, doesn't mean I didn't love what I did. I absolutely loved what I did. I was defined by what I did. That's the problem. I was addicted to it. It was my narcotic of choice. And so I came to a place after I stepped away where I realized, oh my gosh, I don't know who I am outside of these titles, but you know, and there was anger. Like I was, wasn't I called to do this now? Who am I? Um, because my worth and my identity and my purpose were wrapped up into being a great broadcaster. And when that changed, I had an identity crisis. And so when you place your significance and your purpose and your identity in something that's going to shift and shake like a job or a bank account, of course, you're going to have an identity crisis when it shifts. So it was in that space where I step away. I don't know who I am. I'm really struggling. Who am I outside of this job, outside of this title? And I just really felt this voice saying, you know, you aren't what you do. Your worth isn't just work and your value is not just vocation. Your calling is not just your career. And I think we need to contextualize that we, we do have vocational callings in our life, but we also have a faith calling or purpose and purpose and faith calling won't change. Vocational calling will change faith calling and purpose for me, it's simple. It's to love God and love people. And so often we, we wrap up our purpose in something that's going to change. And my purpose is to be the best musician that I can be, or my purpose is to be a fantastic engineer or to be a doctor. And guess what? That's going to change throughout your life at some point. And, you know, athletes feel this a lot when they walk away from the game, they don't know who they are outside of it because their entire identity and purpose is wrapped up into that. Um, and that's very normal because that's what society preaches. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, that's what your value is. So I'm big on just contextualizing. You have faith calling and purpose. You, I use those words interchangeably, those terms interchangeably. Won't ever change. For me, it's to love God and love people. That's it. Okay. Um, and then vocational calling can and will change. And so you're called to different things in different seasons. You don't have to do one thing forever and ever. And, um, but I think it's peeling back the layers a little bit and finding out the things that you're good at and that you love. And that other people notice that you're good at and you love. And it's not so linear in the sense that you're a good nurse or you're good, at, you're a good engineer or you're a good social media poster, whatever it may be. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's asking yourself those questions. What am I good at? And what do I love? And what do trusted people notice that I'm good at and I love? And I think, you know, for me, I just thought, oh, I'm a good broadcaster and I love it. No, peel back those layers. What made me a decent broadcaster? What made me a decent reporter was that I'm curious. I like to ask questions and I love to champion and challenge people. That's what I'm good at. It's what I love. And it's what other people notice that I'm good at. And I love, and remember you could be good at something, but you don't love it. Don't do it. Okay. Cause there's probably a lot of things you're good at, but you, but you don't love it. So cross that off the list. Okay. So ask yourself those questions. And then it just gives you, um, in some senses, a permission slip to, to go in, to take risks and to branch out and try new things vocationally. I'm getting ready to launch a company. I don't know anything about the business space or about being an entrepreneur, but I'm curious and I ask questions and I like to champion and challenge people. And I'm going to take that to this new space. I take that to be to the vocational space. Of, and I truly feel that, you know, I'm called to be with my kids and to be very present with my children. And that's a big calling, a vocational calling and season on my life. Um, we have different chapters of calling, of vocational calling. And so I think just seeing it as different vocational chapters, different vocational seasons, but always tapping into those gifts and talents that you uniquely have, which you're good at, which you love and what other people notice you're good at, you love. It can be really freeing.
For sure. And I think, you know, to your point, it's so easy to get swept up in that vocational calling. I mean, we're literally our, our entire existence, you know, we have to work to live. Absolutely. Income. Yeah. And I think I can't help but like think back to that, that board game, like the game of life and like picking your career card. And it just reminds me of that. Yeah. 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 Cause it's a, it's a big decision to make because I think that's just sort of, you know, what society has this feeling that like we pick one career and that's, that's it. That's what we have to and do. It, that's who we It can are. be very suffocating, right? It can be very suffocating. And then think about our kids from the time they're able to walk and talk young people. What do you want to do when you grow up? And we're, we're explicitly telling them, and it's implied that you're only, the only thing you're going to bring to the table is your job. What So, so choose wisely. And I just think it's such a, we're asking the wrong question instead of what do you want to do when you grow up? Who do you want to be? Like, what are the parts of you that aren't going to change? I'll, my curiosity and question asking will never change. I'll always like, that's who I am. I want to be a forgiving person. I want to be somebody of good characters. Like, like let's focus on who we want to be, not just what we want to do. And it's great to find things that you love to do, but don't allow them to define you. Because they'll change. And when those things change, when the doing changes, you're going to, you're bound to have an identity crisis. And as somebody who's had one, it's not fun. (laughs) It's It's not. not. Mm -mm. And yeah, I can't help. Like you talked about peeling back layers before too, like trying to find honing in on what it is that you're passionate about, what it is, who it is that you are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so beautiful because I, you know, I said very similar uh, life story, something that you experienced. I was working, I went and studied journalism in school. I started working, I was working at a radio station, an NPR affiliate, and then I started working at CBS. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, looking at job titles though, it was hard to find what I was specifically looking for, right? So then I had to sort of step aside from all that. And I then sort of figured out stepping outside of the world that I was so accustomed to that, okay, who am I underneath all of this? I'm someone, I mean, I guess every sort of journalist is right. You love to hear stories and you love to tell stories. Mm -hmm. And I said, what could I do with it? I thought about podcasting. So it's just, it all sort of spirals. Once you figure out who it is that you are or who you want to become, I think that's when you can really like take off. Totally. I think it's great. And you just mentioned before we started rolling that you're going to grad school, which I think is really great. And you're this natural born connector, somebody who likes to connect stories to people. And that can look like a lot of different things. That doesn't mean that you just have to be a documentary filmmaker. It doesn't mean that you have to be a producer. You take the those gifts and talents that you have of wanting to tell stories and you can take it into every capacity, every vocational branch using the gifts and talents that you've been uniquely given. And it's incredibly freeing because you'll be there. There might be some hard right turns and you're like, um, what can I, I feel like I'm being called to this, but what do I actually bring to it? Well, you bring to the table, those unique talents and gifts that you have wanting to connect people to stories, to powerful stories, whatever that looks like. Um, and I think that's really, that's a really great example. Really yeah. Is. I think it's, it's really easy to forget about our individual talents. Yeah. Um, you know, it's cheesy and corny, but you hear the phrase like one in a million, but like we, we really are, there's no one like we're, ourselves. We're actually one in 3 billion because yeah. there are 3 billion <laughs> characters in each of our DNA codes. And we forget that like that, you line that up 
And you read one character per minute, I think it is. And it takes 96 years to read our DNA code. We're so unique. Each one of us is so unique. My husband, um, you talk about talents and gifts and how, you know, okay, you know, it sounds trite and banal. And we've heard this discussion before, but truly like asking yourself those questions, he's good at being a leader and a motivator and a coach. And that's what he's gifted at. And he takes that into every vocational lane, whether it's parenting, um, it's career. I mean, he was a, he was a basketball coach, a college basketball coach when we first got married. Now he's managing hundreds of agents at a big real estate firm, commercial real estate firm in New York City in Manhattan. But what's the common denominator? He's motivating and coaching and leading these people. And so he takes that into every capacity. You might think that, you know, that's a hard right turn coaching to real estate, but the dots that are connected are his talents and gifts, what he's brought to the table everything ties back together somehow. And it's, it really does. It's funny, but I guess that's just like the way, the way life works. And I guess mm-hmm. your own individual plan, but um, you know, in the book, you talk a lot about your career, um, you know, from start to finish essentially. And specifically though, the moments that led up to you having this sort of realization or awakening, if you will, mm-hmm. and saying, you know what, I need to step aside from this fast paced journalist life I've been used to for forever. And you jumped into just a completely different lane. I mean, you're doing podcasting now, you wrote this book uh, and you talk about, actually, I loved this. You posed the question for readers, but I was interested, like if you wouldn't mind divulging. So you asked um, for those, you're afraid to walk away from what you do because you have no idea who you are without your career, without what it is that you do. So did you experience that sort of fear when it came to making that decision to walk away? hundred percent. Yeah. That was one of the great paralyzers as to why I hung on for so long was who am I outside of it? Will, what will people think of me? Will they think that I couldn't hack it, that I'm a has-been? And then what if I tap out for a little bit and I can't ever get back in? Like those fears just paralyze you. Um, and so that's total, and that's a thing, but I had a piece about it, right? I had a piece that I was supposed to pump the brakes, but I was still scared. And I think it's just a matter of following that piece and that gut, that gut instinct. And I knew, I knew I had to make changes, significant changes. Not everybody has to, sometimes you just need to root in and you need to reset a little bit. Sometimes you need a total reset. Um, and I needed a total reset. I needed a total reboot. <laughs> um, it wasn't just a tiny little, um, tiny little reroute. And I, but I knew because my values were clashing with the choices that I was making professionally and personally. I knew because my health was suffering because I wasn't spending time with my husband and kids. I wasn't um, living the life that I had professed and that I wasn't the type of person that I professed to be. And so it just got to a point, what good is it for a, a, you know, a man or woman to gain the world, but to lose their soul in the process. And I really felt like I had reached this pinnacle, this summit. And I looked around and I was like, huh, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And, but I'm completely consumed by it. And you just, it's like an addict needs a little bit more. I needed some more accomplishment and some more achievement and some more awards. And, um, but it wasn't until, you know, I, I, people say I, I was courageous for, for, 
for slowing down, but I really felt like I had no other choice. I went through a, a season of, of tragedies where I really felt like it was God slowing me down. He's like, you're not going to slow down because you're addicted to this. So if you're not going to slow down, I'm going to slow you down. And that's what happened. I had a miscarriage with an emergency surgery. I had a concussion. I got in a head on car crash. I had influenza and, and then it turned into pneumonia and that was seven months. And I was like, all right, I think I need to slow down. So that's what, that's why I did ultimately, it wasn't because I was this brave individual, courageous and totally following her gut. It was, I really felt like I had to, like God was saying, slow down. Um, and if you don't, I'm going to slow you down. And that's what he did. He slowed me down. Yeah. And I think too, um, you know, you talk about as well, first of all, I loved all the different stories you share, um, with your colleagues at ABC. I just thought it was amazing to, um, get a window into your world and the individuals you work with, but you talk about a conversation with Robin Roberts when you told her that, you know, you sort of wanted to step aside from your work on GMA and the view. And what she said to you was don't allow fear to get in the way of your destiny. Mm -hmm. And I think that's absolutely brilliant because I think so many times we create, so it's the fear is like self-created, right? Oh, it's we, totally self-created. Yes. Yeah. Like we create reasons for why we shouldn't be doing something. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sometimes, I mean, there's external factors, of course. Sometimes it's like, okay, don't walk in a, in an alley at 2 AM in the morning. Okay. That's, that's not fear. That's common sense. <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? That's like, there, there, yeah, there's a difference between healthy fear and, and as you said, you know, fear that we create in our own mind. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's just sort of taking a giant step back, mm-hmm. re-examining everything and sort of hopefully acknowledging the fact that like, okay, like I created this problem for myself. Or, I mean, I think, you know, you shared all those different obstacles you faced um, and, whether, you know, I, to me, I was like, wow, that's a sign from God. Like, that's just <laughs> crazy. Like you, you know, you had to slow down at that point in your life. Like that's a clear message right there. So I think it's either we need to sort of realize that on our own or sort of have like that extra push, um, from a force to say like, you know what, I think it's time for you to step aside and to, to mm-hmm. leap into that, that goal, that passion, whatever it is that you're, you know, trying to do. Um, I know I had that with, you know, grad school, you brought up grad school, like that was me. I'm sure you can understand, like as someone who, you know, studied in the communications umbrella, um, I feel like a lot of times I have to explain why I do certain things, whether it be with, you know, when I went and got my undergrad in journalism, like I had to sort of explain, I I come from a very small town and I felt like I sort of had to explain why I was going to get a journalism degree because we didn't have a huge market for that year. Right, right. (laughs) And like, even with uh, grad school, I felt like I had to, to explain to some people who, you know, didn't really know me and didn't really understand my, my drive and my passions. Um, why I do the things I do and same with my career, just why I make certain moves and take on certain roles or titles. Um, it's, it's funny, but I, I, I let that sometimes steer me away from certain decisions, but I do, I have to snap out of it and say, you know what, like I'm letting that fear take control of me and limiting me from, uh, getting to, you know, what I actually want to do and where I should. And Robin really hit you know, hit the nail on the head when she said, don't allow fear to you know, to derail your destiny because so often it's the fear. That's the great paralysis. It's the fear. It's not actually what would happen. It's, it's 
whatever we've constructed in our mind and it's the fear of failure, um, whatever that fear may be, we just internalize it and then externalize it. And then we look back and we're like, oh, my fear prevented me from going for that. And so I think what I've learned through this process is to normalize fear that, and so often we think, oh, I was, I should have conquered my fear, right? We're supposed to conquer our fear. I think that's false. I don't think we ever conquer our fear because we're setting ourselves up for failure because fear is going to creep its ugly head throughout our life in decisions, big and small. Should I go to grad school or, you know, (laughs) or smaller decisions? Um, And I think once we recognize that fear is normal and just because I experience it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with me, but, but being able to recognize and, and to decipher between, I have a peace about it, but I'm still scared. Those two things can and do coexist. You might have a piece about going to, to grad school to get, you know, get your master's, but you might be a little scared. You're leaving your family and friends. And some people say it might not make sense. What are you going to do with this? What happens if it doesn't work out? Like, you know, those fears can start creeping in and dissuade us. Um, but if, if you have a piece proceed and then expect and anticipate fear, fear is normal. You're not going to get rid of it, but you have the opportunity to press into it. It's up to you what you do with that fear. Do you allow the fear to dictate your destiny, to paralyze you? Or do you tell fear, you know, I'm going to press into you and I am going to focus on the positive. Um, Something that helps me, it's a practice that I've just started doing probably within the last six months. Instead of asking myself, what's the worst thing that can happen? Because asking myself what the the worst thing that can happen, that would often be enough to dissuade me. I'm like, I don't want to make a fool out of myself, so I'm not going to do it. I ask myself, what's the best thing that can happen if I press into my fear? And that's really been a game-changing question for me because it takes me to a positive space and it gives me the permission to, to, to think positively. And it gives me the permission to fail. If it fails, you know, the best thing that can happen is I don't have the regret of knowing that I didn't go for it, of knowing that. Um, and that's often the best thing is knowing that my fear didn't paralyze me and thinking about the, the times in my life where I didn't let fear paralyze me, how invigorating that was. Um, but again, it just, it comes down to normalizing fear. It's not something that we will ever conquer. It's something that's going to rear its ugly head throughout our life, but it's up to us to press into it and to take those first steps. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's a big lesson that I had to learn to deal with too, as I'm sure, you know, everybody did with COVID and the pandemic. Yep. Um, we have this terribly scary, devastating thing happening right mm-hmm. in the world. And it's, it's difficult because we want to live our lives yet. We now have to live our lives cautiously and carefully. Um, at least that's what I hope, you know, most people do. <laughs> um, but then it's also difficult because it's hard to pause your life for a year and a half. Um, I think especially now that we're out of lockdown and back into society, but still like in the midst of a pandemic, it's hard to pause your life. So I think it's, you know, normalizing that fear. Yeah. We can't get rid of it. We have to learn to deal with it but we also have to learn to sort of grow with it, navigate around it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I learned, you know, with the pandemic. And I I, I see so many people have learned, I mean, look at just businesses and how everybody has really been over backwards to make things work and, you know, go after their dreams and go after their goals. and And, And part of that, as you say, part of it, making it work and navigating it is realizing that failure is part of the journey. Mm hmm. 
and it's not going to be perfect every single time. That's never the goal. I mean, you look at the people of, throughout history who have failed hundreds of times and it, they were persistent. And if they would have just given up after one shot, they, you know, their fear would have paralyzed them. Um, yeah. You know, I liken it to, you know, Stephen King was told no by like, you know, 30 different publishers. And then, you know, he sold hundreds of millions of books, you know, um, Harry Potter, the the manuscript was rejected 12 times. <laughs> you know, you look at, you look throughout history, current, um, you know, present and, and past. And Jeff Bezos was told he was crazy to leave his cushy finance job and go start Amazon. So yeah, there's going to be risk and there's going to be failure as part of it. And guess what? You learn more through your failures than I think you do your successes. Michael Jordan said the key to success is failure. So that's part of it too, pressing into your fear. And guess what? If it doesn't work out exactly how you thought, oh, well, I'm one step closer. And guess what? I didn't allow my fear to paralyze me from even taking a step to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I learned something really crucial in the process. Yeah. I, I love that. And yeah, I think it's, definitely something to really keep in mind throughout the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But um, so I'm curious. So after all this, you know, moving and grooving on your end, changing up, you know, normalcy for you, what have you taken away from it now that you, you did, you know, you went after, you took that leap of faith and you went after, you know, something completely different from what you were used to. And how has that been paying off? How have you been enjoying it? I think it's, it's a matter of creating the life that you want and, but realizing that creating the life you want, um, there's sacrifices involved and there's also change. And sometimes it's chosen change. And sometimes the change is, is made for you. Um, I, I've just, I'm really embracing this time where again, didn't expect it to happen like this. Um, but oftentimes yes, change is normal, but we're set on a path that's a little painful Um, It can be, there are touch points of pain um, and that's normal. There can be tragedies involved, but um, it can lead to something greater. And I just look, we look back at where we were a year and a half ago and even a year ago. And now where we are, and we're like, gosh, we're just, if, if we had gotten everything we wanted, wow, we wouldn't be where we are. And we're so incredibly just content and in a good place with our family, we'd be getting up at, you know, I'd be getting up at four or five o'clock to go to work. And John would be, my husband would be hustling into the city, you know, lucky to see the kids at all during the day. And I look at where we are now and we're in a small town, you know, the cost of living is exponentially lower. Um, it's not as prestigious, quote unquote, but that's okay. Like I'm in a new season of life. We're in new seasons and it's given us great permission to just try something different this is where we are right now and it's beautiful. And guess what? It could change in five years and that's okay. But if it doesn't, we're okay with it. Like, but so often what we think we need is not what we really is not, is not truly what we need. What we really want is not what we need. And so that's been a really great lesson for us. So I'm glad we didn't get what we want. I really yeah. am. So, cause yeah. it's worked out better than I could have ever imagined it. I love that. And I think that's another thing too. Um, and something I've really tried to work on for myself is to stop planning ahead and to just enjoy the present moment we're in. And I think that's the one thing that this whole pandemic, if there's a good thing that came out of it, 
literally like God saying, okay, you can't do all the things you want to do on your list. You're like, life is pausing right now. Mm -hmm. I think that for me was like the wake up call to enjoy the moment that I'm in. Yeah. Enjoy the moment and then reassess what is important at the end of the day. What is defining you at the end of the day? Do you know yourself outside of these things? Cause things changed for all of us, right? So find out who are you, who, who you are outside of what you do and the parts of you that aren't going to shift and shake in a pandemic. So if this happens again, guess what? We're still going to know who we are and why we're here and what we're created to do. Um, it's not going to rock us like it did last time. Yeah. And I mean, in the book, you encourage readers to sort of focus on that instead of what do you want to do when you grow up? Mm-hmm. It's who do you want to become? Who are you? Um, which I think is beautiful. So the book, the new paperback has a bunch of discussion guides. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely don't want to spoil too much because I want people to, you know, go on and read it themselves. But um, what have you enjoyed the most about releasing this paperback with all these new little additions? Yeah, well, um, we released just the hardcover during the pandemic, which was so fun to release a book during the pandemic um, when all the distribution channels were shut down. Um, and when the publisher said, we want to release the paperback in this, the following summer, I said, well, you know, I'd been hearing from a lot of readers that they wanted a companion guide or a study guide. And I was just said, you know what, why don't I create something based on the feedback that I'm hearing um, and create something and, and include it in the paperback so that you don't have to buy something different. And so the paperback is a refreshed version. There's an epilogue, which explains a little bit more about why we left ABC, why I left ABC and why we're down here in South Carolina. And then there's this six week discussion guide within the book. So every two chapters, there's like a little discussion guide. It's a couple pages and you can go through it individually. You can go through it with the book club. And I intended that because I want, I think these questions are so important um, that we need to ask ourselves and they're topics that we need to talk about that, you know, I, these topics I'm living, I'm trying to figure out new seasons of calling in my own life, how to press past fear, navigating change. Um, what is my purpose? All of that. And so I'm really excited as a journalist, we always want to give people a takeaway. And so the takeaway is to help to, so that we can all walk this journey together and kind of find our footing. And then I get to host a book club free on Instagram, September 1st to October 6th, every Wednesday, I'm going to be hosting it. We're going to, I'm going to take people through the book, through the paperback, through the discussion guide. And it's going to be a real honest, vulnerable conversation. It's going to be fun. I'm going to have friends and family on go through the book together. So I, anybody can join all they need is just the paperback, which has the discussion guide within it. Perfect. Yeah. And I mean, you also have your podcast where you discuss, you know, different topics around faith and family and career, and that's wonderful as well. But yeah, I love the discussion questions and I'm depending on my weight limit on the plane over to the <laughs> journey I'm embarking on. I'll either try and rip a page out um, because those discussion questions are so good. And I think good. they can continuously be applied or looked back on, um, you know, throughout your life because so much of it you know, I think the whole concept that we talked about earlier with vocational calling and faith calling, I think, I think it's really important personally, and maybe that's just me to really pause and look if you're keeping those two worlds separate. I mean, sure they can blur together, but I think it's important to recognize that, you know, what you do for a career is not who you are. It's a part of you. Sure. And because of it, you know, there's certain parts of you that you are the way you are because of what Mm -hmm. you do for work. I don't don't think they're separate. I think it's like a vine and a vine 
produces many branches. And you think about your, the vocational seasons of your life as vocational branches. And the vine is just staying rooted in who you are and who you were created to be and why you're here, whatever that purpose may be. And if you're healthy, then that healthy vine, that healthy purpose, that healthy faith calling will produce many different vocational branches, but it has to be healthy. And if it's not, the branches aren't healthy, they'll be cut off. So not to leave on a pruning note, but pruning does happen only to help you grow though. (laughs) Definitely. Well, I love that. And I'm so excited to see, um, I guess these new and upcoming projects you're working on this Instagram conversation. That's so exciting. Thank you. I'm really excited. I just like, I, I love to advocate for people and to champion people and I'm right there with them. I'm trying to find my footing too. I think you can write out of strength or you can write out of struggle. And I think I probably write more out of struggle than total strength. Um, I'm, I'm right there with, with, with people trying to figure it out. So, but trying to encourage them along the way through, you know, my own story and through the story of others. So. Well, and speaking of trying to handle things, um, you know, with this being handling it, I always like to ask, has there been a piece of advice or a lesson that you've learned throughout your career that's really helped you handle your life? I think something I wish I would have learned a long time ago was to just give myself grace and realize that I'm going to learn more from my failures and flaws than I would from my quote unquote successes. I think that giving myself grace, realizing that failures are normal, that would have given me the courage that I needed to probably take more risks and to step out into faith and press into my fear a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I say that a lot, not to obviously strive to fail, but I think failure can really be a good thing sometimes. Oh, it's, it's failures necessary. Mm-hmm. Failure is absolutely necessary. Yeah. So. Well, I agree. And, you know, Paula, thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, I pleasure. love your book. I can't wait for everybody else to read it. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure and blessings to you. And I'll be pulling for you in this new season of your life as you kind of press into your own fears and go for something a little different and take a leap of faith. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed hearing from Paula and learning about how she found her calling in life. And I hope you're inspired to find yours if you haven't already. So if you're interested in reading Called Out, I have a link in the episode description below where you can check out the book. And there's also a link below to Paula's own podcast, the Paula Ferris Faith and Calling Podcast. If you want to listen to more conversations Paula has on topics like faith, family, and purpose. Thank you to Paula so much for coming on and thank you listeners so much for tuning in. As always, let me know what you thought of our episode. You can reach us on Instagram at Handling It Podcast and feel free to send us a message and let us hear your thoughts and suggestions. I'll see you next week with a brand new episode, but until then, keep staying safe with everything going on in the world right now and keep handling it. I'll talk to you soon.